Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, Harvest, uh, Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, we're here together to do exactly what the text said, and we are doing that together, singing unto the Lord because he has worked salvation. And clearly at Christmas time, the manger is a key part of that. And understood biblical truth drives impassioned response. So we're in Psalm 98. If you would, open your Bibles there to Psalm 98. It's page 500. If you're going to use one of the Bibles there behind the seats and page 500. Now, I normally don't sound like this. I have a kind of a more of a annoying voice than this. I'm trying to be Lou Rawls. It ain't working. That just aged me, by the way, right there, didn't that? Um, I pray in my frailty that God would show himself greater, right? Um, hey, if you're visiting with us, welcome. It is really, really Glad to have you here, whether it's just for a Sunday or you're looking for a church or whatever it might be. We're the kind of church we dive into God's Word. We just don't talk about God's Word and what it says. We actually dive into it. So kind of Bibles open on our laps is just the norm for us here. And uh, we want to hear what God has to say out of His Word. And we've been spending some months in the Psalms. Um, and uh, we've been spending Christmas in the Psalms. This is the first time I've ever uh, taught... Christmas kind of coming out of the Psalms with that, Uh, but it's been very sweet. Uh, So grateful Pastor Cody took us to Psalm 14, beginning of this month. Oh, that salvation would come. What a cry of the psalmist. Oh, that salvation would come. And then we went to uh, Psalm 96. Salvation has come. It has come. And what meaning that has in light of this on Christmas Eve. Then Psalm 97, the king that reigns came. Um. Even has some impact on our text today, Psalm 98, as a result of the fact that salvation has come and the king that reigns is the one that came. Uh, Oh, sing, sing that uh, because his salvation work. Well, the Lord's salvation work is not just one event over redemptive history. So the manger is a key part of that, but it's a beginning to end work. And being that Psalm 98, I think here the psalmist doesn't take us to a particular event. Obviously, the psalms are before the manger came into the reality, but it kind of uh, speaks broadly. So I'm going to kind of take us here on a little bit of a journey uh, through some of the salvation work of God from beginning to end here in just a moment uh, to help us grab a hold of the impact and the importance of the manger. We're in Psalm 98. Psalm 98 is said to have been the driving psalm for Isaac Watts to have written the song we sang earlier, Joy to the World. Um, He in that song, right, you know, Joy to the World, we sang it, Joy to the World, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king in that. And clearly we sing that at Christmas time with the first advent, the first coming of Christ, and, and rightly so and all that. But when Isaac Watts was writing that, he was actually thinking of the second advent of Christ, the, the return of Christ in that um, but it all fits together. It all works together. And uh, Psalm 98 is a driving text uh, for what uh, is coming here. So I think this is what's really special about this text. 
The song that we sing at Christmas uh, is driven by Psalm 98. So we're going to go there and see of God's work. So let me ask for God's help because I can just feel my voice going places it wasn't at in the beginning. Here we go. Lord, thank you for your goodness and for who you are. God, I honestly, I really do pray that even the frailty of my voice today might even be used by you in a way to express the reality of who we are. We are frail, but you are not. You are the king of kings. You are the lord of lords. You are the creator of the universe. You are God of gods. And we are here to remember you and to revel in you and glory in you and to savor you. And God, I just pray, would you, through the spirit of God, through the work of your word, draw us closer to you because you are awesome. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, the manger story is part of a whole marvelous story. Um, we see in the beginning of Psalm 98. Let me read that again. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Uh, oh, sing. Uh, it's not talk, not say, not even converse. That, that happens at times. But there is something very unique and special about singing. Um, our, our house has been like a carnage of sickness. That's a beautiful sight, isn't it? Over the last couple of weeks here, and we just the other day, Karen and I were in our bedroom just savoring the joy <laughs> of colds. And our grandson came in, and we were playing with him for a little while, and uh, Karen turned on some music, and Max just kind of starts like dancing. And I'm like, that is cool. I mean, it wasn't like even told what to do. He's just like doing his little, what's in him? And I'll just say, as a grandfather, I'm like, that is awesome. You can talk to me and you can say things to me and that's awesome too. But I got to tell you, that moment is special. And the Lord loves it when his children are like that. There's just something that comes out. Oh, sing. Notice, oh, sing to the Lord. It's directed to the Lord. It doesn't even say what kind of song. It doesn't say what style of song. It just says sing. Sing to the Lord. And then note it says sing to the Lord a what kind of song? A new song. By the way, um, old songs are great and powerful. Yet there is a consistent theme throughout Scripture that God loves new things. Why is that? Because out, the Lord is always doing a new work. And there is something about new things. And whether old songs have new truths that are savored in them or it becomes new songs that are sung, there should always be a newness. There should never be an oldness with the Lord. We talk about the old, old story, if you will, but it's never old and dry and same, oh, same, oh, boring. Listen, loved ones. The love of the Lord never gets old. Never. The grace of God never gets old. It is always marvelous, always wonderful. Oh, the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Never gets old. 
And if there's a thing where it's like the Lord is feeling old or thinking old about the Lord. Hey, listen, that is not from the Lord. The Lord is doing a new work in us and our lives should be singing of a new work. And, and, and I will make reference and do make reference back to when I was six years old and I came to know Christ as my Savior and received him as my Savior. And, and yet that's a story that happened a long time ago, uh, like 50 years ago. Wow. And yet it's new all the time. It's never old. It's always new. Sing to the Lord a new song. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Why? Because he's done marvelous things. Marvelous things. Well, that's kind of the thesis of Psalm 98. Let's uh, kind of work through four truths from Psalm 98 here that are really cool. First, the Lord has done his salvation work. The Lord has done his salvation work. Notice in verse 1, it's past tense. For he has done marvelous things. The Lord is always doing marvelous things, but what it's referencing here is that the psalmist's time, the Lord has done marvelous things. And then it says, his right hand, his holy arm, have worked, past tense, salvation for him. Uh, There's a number of things about this psalm that this can be attributed to, and yet the psalmist leaves it to where it becomes new as God's uh, revelation and God's work continues and the manger is added and the cross is added and all these kinds of things. But know this, the Lord has done a salvation work. Um, uh, He is always doing a rescuing work from the very beginning. In fact, let me take you on a little journey of the Lord's salvation work. Um, Eternity past. Uh, you remember eternity past? No, we don't remember that. Uh, we're told about it somewhat in Scripture. Now, the Godhead existed in eternity past, and that's just like a mind blow. But know this. The Godhead existed in perfect relationship with itself. Like, what did they do? I have no idea, but I know this. They weren't bored, and they weren't looking for something to do, and their love cup was not half-filled. Okay, like everything in eternity past was awesome. And yet out of eternity past, the Godhead creates creation as we know it. And Christ, the second person of the Trinity, is the acting agent of that creation. Colossians chapter 1. Again, let me say it. The Godhead was not bored with itself. It was not in need of something to do. It was not in need of us to bring them meaning. It was not us to fill them up. So why did the Godhead do it? I think we could have a great conversation, but I'm just going to cut to the chase. The longer I'm in Scripture, the more I'm coming to understand that the God had saw it was marvelous to allow others to know and experience perfect relationships like they knew and experienced. And that brought them glory. Hey, have you ever worked with someone, whether it's your children, whether it's with someone else at work or uh, at school, and, and something that you do that you love to do, that you love And then someone else, you bring them along and they come to love it. I got to tell you, there is joy and delight and thrill out of that, isn't there? And the Godhead in perfect relationship with itself creates a universe and people to be able to experience what it is like to be in perfect relationship with God and one another, just like the Godhead is from eternity past. 
But sin comes into the picture. Genesis chapter 3. And here's the awesome thing. Sin comes into the picture and the Godhead that created all things doesn't say like, I'm bagged out on you. Like, you losers. Like, get out of my face. No, no, no. What, what, what happens in Genesis 3, after sin enters the picture, God is, has a conversation with Satan and Adam and Eve. I wouldn't want to be there in that conversation. But God did. God says in there that one will come born of a woman that Satan will bruise, but that one that is born will deal Satan a lethal blow. And friends, understand this. God, from the very beginning when sin showed its ugly face, God was already after doing a rescuing work. He was already doing a salvation work right there. And the manger is the story of that. And Adam and Eve, Noah, the world is broken. It's just gotten worse. Why didn't God just wipe it all out? I'm just so tired of this. But God does a gracious reboot. And instead of wiping mankind off the earth, he keeps a remnant. Because God is about doing a salvation work, not a crushing work. We go to the Exodus. God marvelously brings his people out. Wait, brings his people out to where? He brings his people out to be with himself. How cool is that? God has always been about doing a redeeming work, even in our mess work. God has always been at doing a salvation work. And the story just continues. Abraham and Joseph and David... And with God's people, Israel. And you jump to the manger. And God with. Seriously, friends, how crazy is this? That God himself, the second person of the Trinity, stepped into his world, as we talked about last Sunday. Born of a baby, of a woman. Oh, the Genesis 3-1 came. Because God is about doing a salvation work, a redeeming work. That's who God is. And that's what the manger is all about. The Genesis 3 promise has arrived. And the one that came in the manger is the one that went to the cross. Why was he born? Why was it that way? Why didn't he just show up one day and die? Because he had to be our perfect representative. And as our perfect representative, he paid the price we could not pay for ourselves. And the one that was born in the manger, the king that reigns, went to the cross. And the one that went to the cross rose from the grave. And like, seriously, who can do that? The king that reigns can. And he did. By the way, I'll just point out in Psalm 98, his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. For him. I'd love to spend time on that. That's so cool. But notice, his right hand, his holy arm. Listen, God did not job out, contract out his redeeming work. God stepped in and did it. Let me just say that again, because I'm not sure you're convinced you're, you're getting that. God could have contracted out redeeming work, but he didn't. 
God himself stepped in, in the manger, to the cross, rose from the dead. God has always been about doing a saving work. That's who our God is. And that is something to sing about. By the way, not only has God done a salvation work, but he has made known his salvation work. Look at verse 2. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. Go to the end of verse 3. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Again, I think the psalmist is referring to past things like the Exodus and so forth. But in there, this is the, the core truth of it. Listen, God has done a salvation work and he's made it known. That's a big deal. He has done it and he's made it known. He's made it known his salvation. He's revealed his righteousness. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And that includes Adam and Eve. What he did with Noah, what he did at the Exodus, what he did in the manger, what he did at the cross, what he did in the resurrection, what he did, what he did post the resurrection and the ascension and, and the building of the church and, and what goes on into today and into and, 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 and the future. He has been, he is being, and he will make his salvation known. Listen, the question is not do we know, the question ultimately is do we care? God's salvation work is not a hidden work. God's not playing a game. God's not trying to go, like, I really want to make it hard for you to know what I've done. The Lord is not doing that. The Lord's work is a revealed work. It's an out front and told work. And God's salvation work has been made known. Romans 1 goes with that. And if that's true, then the issue of God's salvation work that has been done and has been made known comes down to whether you and I are interested. And God has provided that as an option. Are you interested? Because I'm not going to force it on you. Are you interested? Do you understand? Have you received the gift that God has provided? Now, I'm not a super techie guy. I can hold my own here and there. But I still like paper books. I just saw tile maids, Christmas presents. I think they're kind of cool. I don't have one, and no, don't need to go get one for me. Tile maids. They're these little devices, that, little tiny cards that you can click on your keys or put in your wallet or in your purse or like put it in your phone cover or something and and like so if you become separated from your phone if you become separated from your keys like that would never happen to me (laughs) if you would ever become separated from them then the tile mate is there that you can then be able to either through your phone assuming you haven't lost your phone or through the computer be able to be told where they are how cool is that all men love that device And let me just say this. God's word is our tile mate. God's word has told us what the Lord has done. And it is dinging, binging, and singing out to us. To come back. That God has done a salvation work. He has made it known. And he wants us to come back and receive his gift of salvation and walk with the Lord back in relationship. The Lord has done no salvation work. He's made known his salvation work. 
And the Lord has remembered his salvation work. Look at the beginning of verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. So Pastor Doug, does God have like a forgetting problem? No, that's not what it's saying. Beginning of verse 3 is not saying that God has a post-it note in front of him to remind him for the times that he forgets about his salvation work that he's done. That's not what it's saying. It's not for him. It's actually a post-it note for us. It's just reminding us that, listen, the salvation work that God has done and made known, he remembers that. And he will never forget what he has done. And why is that a big deal? That's a big deal because if you know Christ as your Savior, there are times in life where don't you just sit back and you really kind of go, um, when is the Lord going to give up on me? Like, am I really redeemed in Christ? Because like this week hasn't shown much of that. I don't know what's going on for you with that. But we sometimes we question our salvation, our security in our salvation. Uh, I go back to uh, last Sunday, Psalm 97, verse 10, where it talks about the Lord is the one that delivers and the Lord is the one that preserves. Listen, you and I don't earn our salvation and we don't keep our salvation. The Lord is the one who does the saving work. And the Lord is the one who does the preserving work. And here we also see in this text that the Lord is the one who remembers the work that he's done. And those truths are not to remind the Lord of who he is and what he's done. Those truths are to help you and I be able to know that. If you know Christ is your Savior, listen, there is never, ever ever been a nanosecond of the moment since the time that you received Christ that the Lord has been like, you know what, I think I'm out on you for a little while. Never. Because the Lord is the one who redeems, the Lord is the one who preserves, and the Lord is the one who remembers his work. Thank God. Let's jump, jump to the last verse of uh, Psalm 98, pick up our fourth and final point, and then I'll read the whole psalm. Verse 9, For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness, and the peoples with equity, with justice, with fairness. (laughs) It's Christmas, and seriously, Pastor, are you going to talk about God's judgment? Um, Listen to me. I get zero thrill about talking about God's judgment. Because when you understand in Scripture what's going on, you would wish it for no one. Especially for one who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. But, but, but hold with me for a second here. We're also the kind of church where we don't bounce over what the Lord says. Because it has meaning. It's in here for a reason. And here's it, just this week as I've been thinking about this whole thing about why does he even put the judge in the earth thing? And why does he put that the Lord will will have a judging time? Uh, um, Because this, if there is no judgment, there is no need for salvation. If there is no judgment, there is no need for salvation. Because if there is no judgment, who needs to be saved? Am I right? I mean, that makes a little bit of intellectual sense. Because if God does not do a judging work, then why in the world did God come and do a saving work? 
Because if someone doesn't need to be saved, that means that there is no judgment. But there is a judgment that's coming. And as much as I don't like to talk about it or don't like to think about it, if that isn't a reality, then we don't understand the saving work. And the fact is that God is going to do a judgment work. And I don't do that with joy and thrill and like, I do that with, oh my word, God has done a salvation work. And it makes the salvation work that much more awesome. I actually got that out with my voice. <laughs> hey, listen, it's that big of a truth to me this week. Judgment is important. Because if there is no judgment, there is no justice. And if there is no judgment, there is no need for salvation. But there is a judgment, therefore there is a need for salvation. And the coolest thing that could ever be in it all is that because there is a need for salvation, excuse me, from our sin, God is the one that has done a saving work. And God has done it, and God has made it known, and God has made it available. That's the joy out of this. And he remembers what he has done. And fourth, the Lord will complete his salvation work. Because his salvation work does require a judgment work. (sighs) And God came. And that's what's so sweet and so marvelous. And so, let me say it, eternal and important about the manger. Because if the manger didn't happen, the Genesis 3 promise would not have come about. But he did. And if there is a judgment, what the scripture says that there is, if there was no manger, you and I were in a heap of trouble and we have no reason to sing. But the manger was filled with the second person of the Trinity who went to the cross and rose from the grave and has made his work available to all who would receive it. First John 5, 11-13. And this is the testimony that God has given eternal life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He, she who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who know the Savior, that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace you've been saved by faith, not of yourselves, not of works. It is a gift of God. In John 1, 12, as many as received that gift, to them he gave the right to become children of God. I mentioned last Sunday, and I'm going to, Mention it again just because it's so fresh in my own personal life. My stepdad passed away two Tuesdays ago on December 12th. 
Karen and I were there when he passed in his room. Kurt was lying on his bed breathing and over the hours it slowed. And then there was no more breath. It's really a gift, no weird things going on. But I sat there thinking, wait a second, what just happened? You see, too often we're kind of protected from reality. And right in that moment, I don't know where, but somewhere in that moment, something just happened there. Because as he would say, he was alive and now he's dead. But wait a second, in scripture it says he was alive and then he fell asleep. I, I just want for you to know that, this, that friends, without the marvelous saving work of God, there's no hope in that situation. And people might say, well, he's with the Lord. Here's my question. How do you know that? Based upon what? Well, we just know that. Really? Based upon what? Well, let me say this. Based upon God's word, God has done a saving work who has made it known. And my stepdad came to understand that saving work as a young man and receive the work of Christ for his sin. And Kirchhoff walked with the Lord. And I'm just going to tell you at his funeral on Wednesday, we're going to sing. And even in the sorrow on our end, I'm just telling you, he's not hurting. But we're going to sing. And we're going to sing because we know that God has done a salvation work. And God made that salvation work known. And God remembers his salvation work. And at that moment, when my stepfather passed, at that moment, God does not forget. And that is a promise and a hope for us. Because my stepdad knew Christ as a savior. And out of that, we're going to sing, man. There will be tears, but we're going to sing. And by the way, it fits Kirchhoff because Kirchhoff was actually a, a, a professor at Moody Bible College who taught people about what it is to sing unto the Lord. He led Moody Corral to Europe and various places back in the day. He worked people to sing about the Lord. I'm telling you, man, we're singing about the Lord. And without the hope of the reality of God having done a salvation work, having made known a salvation work, remembering his work, and the fact that we knew that Kirchhoff had received the gift of salvation by receiving Christ as your Savior, I'm telling you, as much as I'm going to miss being able to see him, the manger makes a bigger difference today because of it. Because God, Emmanuel, came to do for you and I what we could not do for ourselves. As our perfect representative, paying the price for our own sin, rising from the dead. And all who would receive that gift, to them he gave the right to become children of God. That's why we sing. Any other singing about Christmas is an empty singing.
if you know Christ as your Savior, I'm imploring you this Christmas to sing with your voice and with your life to the Lord, for he has done marvelous things in you. And if you're not sure that you know that you know that you know, sit down with someone. And it's time to come to know Christ as your Savior. And then sing. Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. And out of that truth, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth, break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre with a lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise, even if your voice is shot. That's in there somewhere. It's in the Hebrew. (laughs) Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. I love this. Let the sea roar. We saw this the other Sunday. And all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. How do rivers clap their hands and where's their hands? How does that work, huh? But it does. Let the rivers, it's okay to laugh, by the way. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. By the way, how cool is that? Can you just imagine like the mountains and the Rockies or the Smokies out east or something like that? And all of the mountains, I can't do it right now, singing out to the Lord. Listen, the earth gets it. The earth gets it. The sea gets it. The rivers get it. The hills get it. For he comes to, the earth to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. Not unfairness, but with justice and equity. And the last verse reminds us. Thank you God for doing a salvation work. Amen. And so Lord, we thank you. We sing to you. We declare you. We lift your name high. Lord, this is about the fame of your name and no others. (laughs) But it is something marvelous for us. Beautiful Savior, I would pray that if there's anyone here in this room who doesn't know you as their Savior, has not had that time where they've kind of driven the stake in the ground with you. God, I I pray that you would just love on them and draw them to you and make that clear. Because all the things of this world are just shiny, flashy, quick, gimmicky things that bring no saving work. Only you do. And it's there as a gift to be taken to change a life. 
and to bring back to what we have been separated from. Father, I pray for those who know you as their Savior. That on this Christmas Eve and tomorrow on Christmas Day and during this season of time that we would sing. We would sing verbally, that we would sing within our own minds and souls. And God, that our lives would sing. We live in a broken world. Broken world that's in great need of people living as light of the work of Christ. Not perfect people, but growing and maturing people and understanding their salvation and that their lives would be a new song every day. By voice, by mind, by life. Oh God, may we sing of the work of the manger. Because it is your saving work. For your glory. And we get to participate in the reality of what you have done. How awesome are you? How awesome are you? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.